This is an LTD Entertainment presentation. Welcome to Brian C. Pusey's Safe Haven Podcast, where our aim is to encourage, enhance, and advance you to the next level on your Christian journey. We're prayerful that you'll stick around and listen to the message that God has for you, delivered by yours truly, Reverend Brian C. Pusey. The door is open. Let's go in together. Welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. I'm your host, Reverend Brian C. Pusey. I want to welcome you to this wonderful service today. This is Fifth Sunday Showcase. Fifth Sunday Showcase means that every Fifth Sunday uh, that there is out here, um, Safe Haven opens up the doors for any minister that uh, wants to get a message out. As a matter of fact, technically I kind of open the door, but you know, I let the Lord use me and guide me to a person I believe that uh, will uh, bring a beautiful message to all those out here that are listening. So today we're going to have a great, great message today. We're going to have one of my friends, my brothers in in ministry, um, Reverend Charles Dockery. He's going to be coming up, coming in a little bit to uh, give us a great word from up on high. Can't wait. I'm anticipating it about as much as everyone else is. So therefore, we're going to get right into it today. Um... Hopefully everyone is doing well, praying for everyone that's not, and also praying for those that are doing well, that they continue to do well. So we're going to get right into it, my friends. So let's go. It's Memorial Day weekend, and um, we just want to pause and and pay respect, our respect, our love, and our tribute to the soldiers that um, fought for our freedom, fought for our right to just be alive, <clears throat> and also who have passed away, you know, who died in battle, and um, want to keep them all lifted up. We We support you no matter where you are, you know, you may feel alone sometimes, even with, even when you're among your brothers and your sisters in arms. You also have another set of arms that are with you as well, and that is that is all of us who are blessed and honored uh, by your your uh, service. So, whenever we see one of you, we we always thank you. I thank you for your service. I've had family that have been in the service and I have family that are in the service now. And so therefore, I keep you all lifted up in prayers on this Memorial Day weekend. So let us do more than just fire one up on the grill or something. Let's fire one up in our hearts. Let's fire up a phone call, fire up a text, you know, fire it up an email. 
whatever it takes, because you know what, they will receive it, and they, and I know, without a shadow of a doubt, they, they, they will be very honored and um, grateful to hear from you, no matter what your relationship with them before they went away was, it's not about before, it's about right now, and they need to know that they're doing this for a great cause. They're doing this for a cause. They matter right. They're on a mission. They're on a mission to make sure that we stay safe and can't ask for anything more than that. So on this Memorial Day weekend, uh, we're going to keep you guys lifted up in prayer. prayer time here at Safe Haven. We praying, I'm praying for everyone today um, that's going through a lot of things. I'm sending out special prayers to those who are who have been diagnosed with illnesses that they can't believe that's happening to them. Praying for their strength and they and the, and praying for their breakthrough. Praying for that not only for their breakthrough from the the illness that they've been uh, diagnosed with, but also praying that they come through with the come through. Um, with an enlightened perspective on life and how they've been blessed with life and praying that their purpose um, is uh, beyond beyond, uh, beyond their own expectations. Also, sending up prayers this week, Memorial Day weekend for those who, uh, families uh, of soldiers who have fought for us fought and died for us and uh, whatnot, praying that they uh, stay uplifted on this weekend as well. And praying for every uh, every church door that's still open, church doors that reopen. Praying for every podcast that is focused on uh, making sure that the word is sent out one way or the other. <laughs> Let us pray, dear Heavenly Father. Right now, we just want to thank you. Thank you for this day. We thank you for this weekend. We thank you for another opportunity to be able to lift up your name, O Heavenly Father. We pray for forgiveness for all that we have done. Prior to today, O oh Heavenly Father, we pray that you just just forgive us and restore us to the way that you see us, O oh Heavenly Father. And we pray that we uh, take this day right now to be able to t- have another chance to be able to do the works that you have blessed us with, O oh Heavenly Father. Because we were born with a purpose, O oh Heavenly Father. A lot of us may not have known what our purpose was, O oh Heavenly Father, before this day, O oh Heavenly Father. But right now, we want to just say thank you for giving us one more opportunity, one more chance to do your will, O oh Heavenly Father. We want to pray right now for every church door that is open in your name, O Heavenly Father. We want to pray for every preacher, O Heavenly Father, that has got to step on the desk, to step on the the sacred pulpit, O Heavenly Father, to deliver the word that you have blessed them with, O Heavenly Father, for today. We pray for every every member of every church that is open in your name, O Heavenly Father. We pray for every listener to safe haven right now, O Heavenly Father. We pray that you just continue to bless them, O Heavenly Father. Bless every family that is listening, O Heavenly Father. Pray that they... um, uh, just go to the next level, Heavenly Father. We pray right now for this, the guest speaker right now, Heavenly Father. We pray that you just continue. You lift him up right now, Heavenly Father, and you just allow him to allow him to be used by you, Heavenly Father. Let the words of his of his mouth and the meditation of his heart be found acceptable in thy sight, O Heavenly Father, because you are the the one, O Heavenly Father. You're the one that's going to be able to guide him, O Heavenly Father. We pray for. For me right now, Heavenly Father, continue to just use me the way that you see fit, O Heavenly Father. Allow safe haven to continue to be a beacon of life and a beacon of hope for someone right now, Heavenly Father. 
for you know what is on their hearts, O Heavenly Father. We know that a lot of people come in and come and go, O Heavenly Father, but we pray for, we are grateful for those who come and stick around, O Heavenly Father, because you know exactly what they need right now, Heavenly Father. So we pray that this service today will be the service that they need they need to hear, O Heavenly Father, the one that, that will be able to keep them going, keep them girded up, O Heavenly Father. So right now, we just want to say thank you. Thank you in advance, O Heavenly Father. We want to also pray once again for the sick, shut-in, and bereaved, O Heavenly Father. Pray that you just lift up their families and the people who are affected by any sickness, any shut-in situation, and those who have crossed over to be with you, O Heavenly Father. Pray that you just continue to lift them up and guide them up, O Heavenly Father, in the way that you see fit right now, O Lord. It's in your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's message time here at Safe Haven, and today we have a special guest. He is truly not a not a stranger to Safe Haven, for he was one of the very first ministers to to step up and step out when he got the call to uh, speak at our uh, Good Friday service uh, a while back. Um, he is a, he is a brother of mine, a brother of mine in the ministry. Um, I can't say enough good things about him. Um, he is the assistant pastor. He currently serves as the assistant pastor of Trinity United Church of Christ in Gary, Indiana, where his pastor is the esteemed Reverend Dr. John E. Jackson Sr. Um, I can just tell you one thing: that once you hear how how the Lord has blessed him, you are you are going to be jumping with joy no matter where you are. So, on the, the first ever fifth Sunday showcase you're going to hear a magnificent man of God. So the next voice you're going to hear is going to be from my friend, my brother, the Reverend Charles Dockery. Let's give God some praise. bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall be in my mouth. My soul makes his boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. For this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sour bona, that means good morning. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. It's so good to be alive in the house of the Lord one more time. I thank God for another day. 
I thank God for another chance, and I thank God for the opportunity of delivering God's words to God's people. I thank Reverend Brian Pusley for giving me another opportunity on this podcast. I thank you for tuning in. You had many choices. This morning, on this Sunday morning, the 30th of May, I want you to just sit back and relax as we explore the subject, Hacksaw Ridge. A faith that works. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, have thy way. Holy Spirit, have thy way. Holy Spirit, you are more than welcome into this podcast. Allow me to decrease that you might have an increase in me. Let me be nothing that you might be everything in me. Lord, if it's not on my manuscript and you want the people to know you put that word in my mouth, oh Lord. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way this day. Allow me to be a blessing to someone and not a burden on someone. Put words into my mouth that build up and not tear down. And I'm going to be so careful this morning to give your name the glory, the honor, and the praise. For you are so worthy. As I said, this morning's sermon is called Hacksaw Ridge, A Faith That Works. And it comes from the Book of James, the second chapter, verses 14 to 18. And it reads, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ." Be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you walk out with provide, without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department, I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith, then I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together hand in hand. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and understanding of his holy word. Amen. Once again, that comes from James, the second chapter, verses 14 to 18. Now, this morning, this day, we're going to talk about that thing called faith. What is faith? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it taste like? What is faith? Faith is confidence or trust in a particular system of religious belief in which faith may equate to confidence based on some perceived degree of warrant. Faith is defined as a complete trust and confidence in someone or something. It also is a strong belief in God or the doctrines of religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Faith reminds you that you are incredible, whether you understand that or not. See, the message translation of the Bible says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith 
is what distinguished our ancestors, what set them apart above the crowd. But the King James translation describes faith as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Folks, I love movies. I don't get a chance to go to movies as much as I like because of the pandemic and because, quite honestly, I'm too cheap. However, when I see a movie that I like, I watch it over and over and over again. I watch the Shawshank Redemption whenever it comes on TV. I just love me some Andy and Red. I've watched Pulp Fiction at least 20 times. Samuel L. Jackson is my man. But really, I love a movie with a message, especially a Christian message. The movie that today's sermon is based on is called Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge is a violent film. It is a film that makes you weep. These gritty films are much harder to watch. They aren't fun, but they're real. And that's exactly why you should watch them. They're truthful. Hacksaw Ridge is based on a true story and follows Desmond T. Doss as he enlists for the U.S. Army during World War II. Private Doss is a devout seven-day Adventist who wants to serve his country, but as a pacifist, he refuses to touch a rifle. How can you join an army without touching a rifle? He requests only to work as a medic and not a soldier. He is once brave, strong, modest, and kind. He portrays an authentic belief in Christ, which allows for high-minded ideals alongside gentle humility. Doss's deep-seated Christian faith inspired his pacifism. The opening words of the film are from Isaiah 40, which reads, The Lord is the everlasting God. And it closes with the real-life Doss talking about prayer. In between, we see the young man reading his Bible and keeping the Sabbath. He is ridiculed. He is mocked for his beliefs, but he perseveres. Is anyone out there persevering today? Doss would go on to save 75 wounded soldiers during the Battle of Okinawa, World War II's bloodiest fight, and Hacksaw Ridge is a fitting tribute to his heroism. The film is a healthy reminder to secular audiences that Christian faith is nothing is not, if not lived out. It's a reminder that being public about your faith doesn't always win you friends, as Doss discovers. But despite many temptations, Doss refuses to give in to what the world demands of him, namely compromise. In sticking to his beliefs, staying true to his values, and being willing to suffer for his faith, Private Doss ultimately earns the respect of his fellow soldiers. He will later become the first conscientious objector to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor. In this film, Private Doss personifies faith in action, and his role in this film is the basis of my thesis that faith without action is dead. Every good sermon should have a thesis, and my thesis is faith without action is dead. The faith that drives Private Doss has his roots in his childhood. His father was a drunk, angry man, broken from his time on the blood-soaked fields of France during World War I. Desmond's long-suffering mother has a beautiful trust in God, which has a massive impact on her son. Following a nearby fatal brawl with his brother, Desmond promises to turn his life around 
and to serve God with a peaceful heart. Now, we'll get back to the movie about this brave young man and his working faith in just a few minutes. Now, the author of the book of James is the author of this book is James, the brother of Jesus, a leader in the Jerusalem church. The purpose of this book was to expose hypocritical practices and teach right Christian behavior. Chapter two is about compassionate service, what a Christian does. The book was written to first century Jewish Christians residing in Gentile communities outside of Palestine and to all Christians everywhere. This letter expresses James' concerns for persecuted Christians who were once part of the Jerusalem church. This letter could well be a book of wisdom. The author contrasts faith characterized by nice words with faith that produces works that can be observed. He emphasizes that such works are a result of faith. We cannot earn salvation by serving and obeying God, but such actions show that our commitment to God is real. Deeds of loving service are not a substitute, but rather a verification of our faith in Christ. Now, at first glance, verse 2.18 seems to contradict with Romans 3.28. Man is justified by faith, apart from observing the law. But deeper investigation, however, shows that the teaching of James and the teaching of Paul are not at odds. While it is true that our good deeds can never earn salvation, true faith always results in a changed life and in good deeds. Now, Paul speaks against those who try to be saved by deeds instead of true faith. But James speaks against those who confuse mere intellectual assent with true faith. After all, even demons know who Jesus is, but they don't obey him. True faith involves a commitment of your whole self to God. I'll say that again. True faith involves a commitment of your whole self to God. Faith is a journey. Faith has to be nurtured. Faith requires work. Faith does not just happen overnight. It's a process that goes hand in hand with your Christian walk. I asked the question earlier, what is faith? Since y'all been all snooty fox and you won't answer and you won't talk to me, I'll let you in on a secret. There is more than one type of faith, Reverend Pusley. There is more than one type of faith. I'll tell you about the different types of faith and then we're going to raise up out of here. Maybe I'm going to be bowling down your alley or I'll be on your block. Just raise your hand when you hear me talking to you. The first type of faith is incomplete faith. I like to call this empty faith. When someone claims to have faith, what he or she may have is intellectual assent, agreement with a set of Christian teachers. Empty faith is claims without conduct. Am I bowling down your alley? Perhaps you have apathetic faith. This type of faith never takes root. It never even reaches soil. It's trampled because it's weak and it's eaten because it has nothing to ground it. This faith is apathetic. It is the present. It is present because it exists, but it sits idly on the sidewalk. This kind of faith or lack thereof or faith permeates today's society. It thrives in the ideology of if I live a good life, 
If I do the best I can and I don't hurt anyone, then I'm fine. I'm a good person after all. Christianity has some good lessons and some good morals and some good values. So if I try to live out some of those, I'm on track. God loves me after all. So no matter what I do, I'm fine. I'm fine. Am I bowling down your alley yet? Am I on your block yet? How about material faith? Those who subscribe to this faith may recognize God's presence and his blessing in their life. And indeed, there may be many to acknowledge, but soon their attention turns away from God. Instead of worshiping the creator of all things, one begins to worship his creations, deriving happiness and fulfillment, not from the love of Christ, but from the presence of material possessions. The true identity of this faith is obsessed with adorning itself in worldly jewels, not building itself up in the armor of God. Do you have material faith? Am I bowling down your alley yet? How about selfish faith? I hope this is none of you. It happens at my church. I know it doesn't happen on this podcast. Selfish faith. Selfish faith lands upon land of temporary promise. The seed spreads quickly, desperately reaching upward towards the heaven and straining to see the sun as it frantically stores water to nourish itself. So focused on its climb, so desperate to live the good life, this seed demands more than its feeble foundation can support and soon withers in the breeze. This is selfish faith. It thrives in the belief that if only I pray enough, if only I serve enough, if I do enough good works, God will bless me and I will live a full and prosperous life. This faith misses the point. The foundations of this faith is wrong. This faith is me-centered, not Christ-centered. It looks hopeful in the beginning, manifesting itself in prayer and good works. Is that you, church? Is that you? Perhaps you have mustard seed faith. Mustard seed faith. Christ told the disciples that with just a tiny measure of it, the size of a mustard seed, they could move mountains. So what does it mean to have a mustard seed faith? We see the reference to mustard seed twice in scripture. By using the uncommonly small mustard seed as an example, Jesus is speaking figuratively about the incalculable power of God when unleashed in the life of those with true faith. The mustard seed is one of the tiniest seeds found in the Middle East. So the conclusion is that the amount of faith needed to do great things is very small indeed. Just as the parable of the mustard seed, Jesus used rhetorical hyperbole to make the point that little is much when it comes from God. You can tweet that. Little is much when it comes from God. The mustard seed is a parable and the parable grows to be a huge tree representing the tiny beginnings of Christianity when just a few disciples began to preach and teach the gospel. Eventually, the kingdom grew to huge proportions, encompassing the entire world and spreading over centuries. So too does the tiniest bit of faith. When it is true faith from God, it grows to immense proportions in the lives of believers and spreading out to influence all they come into contact with. That's that's mustard seed faith. And finally, they're struggling faith. Not finally, but they're struggling faith. Struggling faith. 
The faith that saves us for not always as strong as it ought to be. And there's certainly always room for improvement, but it does at least dare to do. As the story of Peter's experience illustrates in Matthew 14, 22 to 33, Peter dared to walk on the water to Jesus, but the wind made him afraid. When Peter began to sink, Jesus reached out to him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? A faith that dares and then doubts. How characteristic that is. Nevertheless, though it was little faith, it was of the right quality. Peter just needed to work on the quantity. Although they had seen the glory and power of God in that miracle, they were still unable to recognize Jesus walking on the water. They thought that he was a ghost. The eyes of their hearts were not enlightened. We are too often like that. Our faith struggles to keep up with God. Our insight is not clear about the power of God. At times we dare to throw ourselves into the water and trust God. Then we doubt we have left our comfort zone. Then church, there is dedicated faith. Dedicated faith. I hope I'm bowling down your alley now. I hope I'm on your doorstep right now. Dedicated faith is a faith where the seed falls on good soil to grow and to be nourished and to yield abundant crop. Beautifully, it buds each year more brilliantly than the last, continually stronger and unshaken by the storms. Standing tall, it knows its worth and it lives to share the worth and beauty. This is dedicated faith. This is a faith established to last and to be nourished, to survive even the toughest trials. This is a faith which is Christ at the center, a faith that says I am nothing without my Savior, and to him I owe it all. In him alone I stand strong. In him alone I achieve fulfillment. And then, church, there's true faith. There's living faith. Living faith transforms our conduct as well as our thoughts. If our lives remain unchanged, we don't truly believe that the truths we claim to believe. Commitment to love and to serve is evidence of true faith. Living faith makes a difference. Living faith, faith makes a difference. Make sure your faith is more than just a statement. It should also result in actions. Seek ways of putting your faith to work. Now let's get back to the movie that we first started talking about. Now the first half of this film might serve as a comprehensive faith story in his own right. When the fateful Pearl Harbor attack shatters lives, even in his small town Virginia community, Doss, a devout seven-day Adventist, joins the army during World War II in spite of his pacifist convictions and refusal to bear arms. He volunteers to be a medic where he aspires, aspires to save lives, Rather than to take them, I like that. I wish they heard this on the south side and west side of Chicago. I want to save lives rather than take them. However, he refuses to carry a gun. Much to the chagrin of his commanding officer, his convictions make him unpopular in his unit. Fellow soldiers taunt him. Fellow soldiers beat him. And fellow soldiers pressure him to quit. Doss is determined to serve his country as a medic thrust in bloody battles without a weapon to defend himself. But he does have a weapon. Private Doss has his Bible. He has his sword, the word of God, to lean on. This is a story of faith in action, church. Doss' faith is tested to his limits. As he is persecuted and abused because of it, 
He faces literal trials and physical tribulations as he tries to do the right thing and that is serve his country. But without breaking the most sacred of commandments, thou shalt not kill. His strict adherence comes not from the dogmatic fury, but from his discovery of the beauty of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When he is challenged by even those closest to him, Doss refuses to forsake this, instead finding comfort and solace in prayer. Church, I get excited thinking about this kind of faith. Can you imagine the eternal war as Doss, as Doss wrestles with maintaining his faith convictions amidst extraordinary pressures to compromise? Have you ever been in a situation where you've been pressured to compromise your integrity? How about on your job? What about in a personal relationship? Perhaps, church, how did you feel? Better yet, what did you do when confronted with this? However, arguably the greatest realization of religious belief comes when Doss, private Doss, is thrust, weaponless, out onto the battlefield. He tends to the wounded with single-minded mercy, which stems from his relationship with a compassionate and a loving God. Doss is living out his faith on the front lines. Church, faith without works is dead. An extended, breathless showcase of Doss' heroism and daring comes about three quarters of the way through the film, and it is characterized by an intimate and profound humanity. This is not something all American wannabe hero chasing fame, but a man doing his best to live out the gospel message. Now, the final third is like watching an early 20th century interpretation of the gospel. There is a stirring depiction of the Beatitudes in action, incidences of making the lame walk, restoring sight to the blind, and even heart-rendering demonstration of loving one's enemy as oneself. If nothing else, this story proves that authentic Christianity can inspire a new way of engaging with a destructive mindset. There comes a point in the movie when the Americans are on Hacksaw Ridge and they're overcome by the Japanese army. They are forced to pull back and evacuate Hacksaw Ridge. They pull every soldier off the battlefield and they head down the rope ladder heading off the ridge. They are forced to leave the injured behind. Everyone is gone, but one soldier remains. That's Private Doss. While everyone runs from the fire, rescuers run into it to save lives. The one everyone deemed a coward is willing to sacrifice his own life in order to save others. Let me pause right here parenthetically. Maybe I'm the only one who is getting what's going on here. He sacrificed his life for others. I could close on this, but it gets better, church. In the midst of all the chaos, all the blood, all the mangled body, he finds a wounded survivor. He patches this survivor up. He takes him to the edge of the ridge, and he lowers him down on a rope. He then prays, Lord, if I can just save one more, help me to save one more. He goes on to save another, and then another, and yet another, after lowering each man down in the midst of gunfire, in the midst of exhaustion, and in the midst of personal pain and isolation, he continued praying, Lord, 
Help me to save one more. Is that anybody's testimony? Lord, help me to save one more. Is that anybody's prayer? Lord, help me to save one more. Is anybody on the on this podcast saying, Lord, help me to save one more. If you sing in the choir, is that your prayer? Through singing, help me to save one more. If you're in a clothing ministry, is that your prayer? Lord, help me to save one more. Help me to clothe one more. If you cook and are in a kitchen ministry, is that your prayer? Lord, help me to save one more. Help me to feed one more. Deacons, is that your prayer? Lord, help me to save one more. Lord, help me to pray for one more. Help me to serve one more. Church, is that your prayer? Lord, help me to save one more. Podcast listeners, is that your prayer? Lord, help me to save one more. Help me to invite one more. Help me to bring the church one more. That's definitely my prayer. God, help me to save one more. Let my preaching, let my teaching save one more. Private Doss goes on to save 75 men that night, and he saves himself. As the story continues, the Americans regroup and are scheduled to go back up Hacksaw Ridge. But they have a problem. The soldiers won't go back up the ridge without Private Doss. The problem is that it's his Sabbath, and on the Sabbath, you rest. So these same men who labeled him a coward, these same men who beat him, these same men who ridiculed him, they won't go back into battle without Private Doss. At first, his faith and individual conscience had consequences for others, as in soldiers fighting alongside a gunless Private Doss in battle. But now the unit has come to respect him because they see that his convictions and his faith are genuine. His faith isn't a cover for any ulterior motive, and his convictions are in no way about self-preservation. Rather, they are for flourishing, for the flourishing of others. But ultimately, they see that God's got his back. Private Doss agrees to go back up Hacksaw Ridge with the others, but before they go, he has to pray. He has to have church. Is that anybody's testimony? Before I leave the house each day, I have to pray. I have to have church. Now, when the company can't proceed with the mission, a high-ranking officer calls the captain and asks, What the hell is, you, is your delay, captain? The captain responds, We're waiting, waiting for what, he asks, waiting for Private Doss to finish praying, sir. Now, the movie concludes with the men going back up Hacksaw Ridge and they beat the Japanese. But Private Doss, in one final action of heroism, swats a grenade out of midair, and he kicks another to save the life of his men. He is injured, but he is not killed. The other medics attempt to take him off the ridge, but he won't leave. He noticed that he dropped his Bible, and he's not going anywhere without God's word. I wish one or two of you had that same kind of faith. The faith that says I'm not going anywhere unless I'm covered in the full armor of God, equipped with my sword, that's God's word, in hand. They find Private Doss's Bible and they lower him down the ridge. The end. That's it. The story's over. I got no more. I gotta go. We gotta raise up out of here. But I know what you're thinking because you're human. I know what you're thinking. You say, that's just a movie, Doc. That's just a movie, Reverend Dockery. Nobody has that kind of faith. 
Yeah, it's just a movie based on a true account of Private Doss and the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge. However, there is a Hall of Fame of Faith. Before we go get out of here, can I tell you, can I do a roll call? By faith, Abel bought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. Is what he believed, not what he bought. That made the difference. By faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. By faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in a country promised to him, lived as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with a real eternal foundation, the city designed and built by God. By faith, Baron Sarah was able to become pregnant, an old woman as she was at the time, because she believed in the one who made a promise would do what he said. That's how it happened, that from one man's dead and shriveled loins, there are now people numbering into the millions. By faith, Abraham at the time of testing offered Isaac back to God. By faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptians tried and they drowned. By faith, it was the Israelites who marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days and the walls fell flat. By faith, Rahab the Jericho harlot welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction that came on those who refused to trust God. By faith, David was thrown into a lion's den. By the next morning when they came to check on him, they found him without a scratch playing with kittens. By faith, three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro were thrown into a fiery furnace for not bowing down to the king. A short time later, Four men were found dancing, having a praise party. By faith, someone sitting on this podcast, someone listening to this podcast, has been delivered from drugs and alcohol. Someone was told that they had cancer, but by faith, they are cancer-free today. By faith, someone has stopped telling God about their problems, and now they tell their problems about their God. Church, we've been worshiping, we've been listening, we've been watching church, for over a year. We've been sheltered in place. We've practiced social distancing. We've worn our masks. We've worn our masks. We've done all these things for over a year now. But by faith, but by faith, we'll soon be able to worship and fellowship face to face and face, face to face real soon. I'm just talking about faith, church. Church, private dogs climbed up Hacksaw Ridge and sacrificed his life to save one more, just one more. But I know a man who climbed up a hill some 2,000 years ago to save one. That's everyone. This man gave up his position as God to take on the life of a man. He suffered. He did not belong to death, yet he fell into death's grip. No angel came to rescue him. God interposed with no miracle to arrest the issue. He was abandoned to his faith. If that was not enough, church, 
God was now dealing with him not as a loving and merciful father with his child, but as an offended and righteous judge with an evildoer. The heavenly father now regards his son as the greatest sinner to be found beneath the sun and discharges him the whole weight of, of his wrath. He died, he was buried, but on the third day, it was the third day that he rose again to save one more. That's you, that's me, that's everybody. Where is your faith? Where is your faith in God? Show me a true living faith and I'll show you a faith that works. Good afternoon and may the Lord bless you real good. I'm Reverend Dockery and I'll see you next time. God bless you. And remember that God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. If you're enjoying this wonderful podcast and you want to hear more, please make sure that you click the follow or subscribe button on this wonderful podcast so you can stay up to date with the latest and the greatest and be able to listen to past podcasts that you have not yet heard before but want to hear again. Also, don't forget to click the share button. The share button is also important. So therefore, you can share this podcast with all your friends, loved ones, and acquaintances. Look forward to hearing from you. Peace. Thank you for listening to this wonderful, wonderful message. Now, for those who live in the greater Chicagoland area, Northwest Indiana area, if you are interested in having I, Reverend Brian C. Pusey, come and speak at your congregate with your congregation, Love it. Please, please contact me at B-P-U-G-H-S-L-E-Y at Yahoo.com. That's B-P-U-G-H-S-L-E-Y at Yahoo.com with the heading Safe Haven Ministry Invitation. I will be glad and honored to come to your congregation and bless you with the word that the Lord has given me. Please reach out and let's, let's build this community together. Thank Reverend Charles Dockery for the mighty word that 
that God has blessed them with to bless us with today. We're going to take this message and we're going to apply it to everything that we do from this week forward. So once again, I want to thank Reverend Charles Dockery for taking the time out to to bless us and um, give us some mighty work for today. We're just grateful for him and his ministry. We pray that he continue that God that he allows God to continue to use him in the way that he sees fit. Um, so once again, we just want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. Next week, we'll be back again for another beautiful service. So until then, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you right now. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this message. Thank you for the messenger that you blessed us to hear from today. We pray that you just continue to use us and guide us the way you see fit. Continue to realize that the faith still works, O oh Heavenly Father. Pray that you just continue to keep us going from this day forward forevermore. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen, and we'll see you next week. God bless. This was an LTD Entertainment presentation.